uh, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24, we'll be reading verses 15 and 16 there in Proverbs 24. And then we'll also go to the book of Judges. Emily, Emily Smith is here, right? Welcome home, Emily. Welcome back. I know Lincoln's at work, but uh, we wanted to welcome you back. Uh, this couple got married a couple of weeks ago. Amen. And so we wanted to congratulate them. Amen. Uh, Proverbs chapter 24, verses 15 and 16. 15 and 16. Judges chapter 16, verse number 22. Amen. Amen. There is something within the spirit of righteousness that refuses to stay down. Amen. There is something within the spirit of righteousness that refuses to stay down. Amen. Amen. This is what uh, the writer of Proverbs chapter 24 tells us in verse number 15. Uh, Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. You know anything about the book of Proverbs? And if you don't, let me tell you, the book of Proverbs is mainly about the distinction between righteousness and wickedness. You can see this, this, uh, these lines of wickedness and righteousness running all the way through the book of Proverbs. And the writers of these Proverbs are showing us the distinction between living righteous and living wicked. And in this proverb, the writer is saying, oh, oh, wicked man, don't waste your time trying to bring down the righteous, trying to destroy him. You're wasting your time if you are, because here's what he said in verse number 16, for a righteous man or a righteous person may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall in, by calamity. And they'll remain there. That's, that's the implication. They will fall in their calamity and will not get up. It is the destiny of the righteous to get up, to get back up. That's the spirit of righteousness. And in fact, that was the spirit of Christ, right? Death couldn't hold him down. He got up. And so I'm here this morning to declare to you, I don't care what the situation looks like and how it feels and what you think about the situation. I've come to declare to you, get up again. Get up again. Because God is going to help you. Amen. I like what the, the way the New English translation renders verse number 16. It says, indeed, a righteous person will fall seven times and then get up again but the guilty will collapse in calamity judges chapter 16 verse number 22 just a real short portion from the story of the life of samson and it simply says this how be it the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven amen i want you to look at your neighbor or lock eyes with someone across the room would you in a loud voice, if you want to, we'll let you lift your voice up right now and, and sh- shout to them or say to them, get up again. Come on, get up again. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. 
Amen. For those needing uh, a nursery, we have a nursery for those birth to four years old. You can step out into the atrium and our team there will help you find that room. Amen. I'm going to give you some names and I'd like to see if you're familiar with these names. And I'll, the first one will be easy. At least I think it will be. All right. You can just wave your hand. Yeah, I, I, I've heard of this person. Uh, Larry Jimnich. Anybody familiar? Is it on the screen? It's not on the screen right now, but that's me, by the way. I didn't see my wife raise her hand. Oh, did you? Okay. She's always telling me, would you please stop including me in your messages? So here I am inserting her in the message this morning. Uh, she's probably saying right now, I wish I did not know this man. Okay, so here, this one will be a little harder. Chuck Wepner. Chuck Wepner. Anybody in the building ever heard the name Chuck Wepner? Brother Brian, I knew you would. I knew you would recognize that name. Chuck Wepner. Is he the only one in the building? Uh, all right, yeah. Uh, Brother Lumpkins there, Brother John. All right, how about this? And this will be a little easier, maybe. Uh, Rocky Marciano. Anybody ever heard of Rocky Marciano? Okay, a few more hands. A good bit many more hands. All right, and so this, this name, you're, you're starting to see a theme, right? Starting to feel a theme if you recognize Rocky Marciano. How about Rocky Balboa? Anybody ever heard of Rocky Balboa? Oh, man, look at it. Amen. I mean, we're connecting here this morning. Amen. If you know anything about the story of Rocky Balboa, you know it was created from an amalgamation of the stories of Chuck Wepner and Rocky Marciano. Uh, and these were obviously famous boxers. And so the story of Rocky Balboa is really the story of, uh, maybe really honestly, the story of humanity, right? We, we rise up uh, in, in defeat. We get up off the mat. This is the spirit that has to live inside of us that says, you're not going to keep me down. And so that's the story of, of uh, Rocky Balboa that was created by Sylvester Stallone. In fact, his Sylvester story is similar to that, his trying to get into Hollywood, how difficult it was for him to get into Hollywood and eventually make those movies. But yeah, there was some, there's something within uh, the, the spirit of man that doesn't want to stay down, doesn't want to stay down. How about Muhammad Ali? Anybody in the building ever heard of Muhammad Ali? Now, David Thompson's got a wonderful story. I think he'd be glad to tell you about meeting Muhammad Ali one time. Step, actually stepped into his home, is that correct? And I know Brother Brian uh, Smith was an amateur boxer, and so you recognize all these names. I, I remember uh, as a child having uh, seeing boxing gloves in my home. And my, my brother Sam, 10 years older than me, boxed in high school. And so uh, he liked to use his little brother as a punching bag. Yes, there you go. You got it. Uh, I'm 10 years his junior, and he's, you know, he's got massive hands. In fact, his, my brother Geary, too, both of them have massive hands. My brother's ring finger is a 15.75. 15, he's got a huge hand, and so he was, he's left-handed like I am, and so when he boxed with anybody, they expected the right hook, right? That's, you know, watch out for that right hand, and he'd always get him with his left, le actually, his left hook. Yeah, there you go. Let me get this right. <laughs> Uh, and so I got to experience those gloves a few times from my brothers and even from my sister Sherry, who was three years older than me. 
And uh, I, when I knocked her to the ground, I, I raised my glove and I said, boys rule and girls, what? Drool, yes. Or, or maybe, maybe she raised her glove in victory <laughs> and put her foot on my chest and said, girls rule, the boys drool. You know, we, uh, uh, we love the stories of people coming back from calamity, people coming back from defeat and rising up, don't we? This is, this is really the story of humanity as well, right? This is, this is the way life has been for, for us. There's not a single person in this building or watching this today who, who has not experienced defeat, but there is something within the heart of man that God has given us, this desire to get back up. Get back up. Amen. Paul used this imagery of boxing in his writings and his, his epistles. He, it was one of his most favorite uh, illustrations was to use a, an athletic metaphor like running or fighting or boxing to illustrate the Christian life because we have to be devoted to it if we're going to win the fight. If, if we're going to complete the race, we've got to be devoted to the race. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that he did not run as one who ran sporadically with no aim or no purpose, but he, he disciplined himself. He disciplined his body uh, and his spirit in such a way that he might win the race. He said, I don't box as one who just beats the air. I plan uh, my discipline. I, I work at being a Christian, and I land my punches strategically against my opponent. What he's saying is, is that this is a fight we cannot afford to lose. This is a race we cannot afford to lose. This is a faith that we must hold on to no matter what. And so I declare to New Life Church and those watching here today, I declare to us this is a faith that we must grab a hold of and say with great tenacious spirit, I'm going to hold on to this faith. I'm not going to let this faith go. I'm going to be full of faith because our opponent wants to knock us down. He wants to destroy us. From the very beginning of God's word in Genesis chapter 3, we see that slithering snake, the devil, coming into the garden and trying to deceive. The Bible tells us he was subtle in his efforts, and he, is, he has always been this way, right? He, he tries to tell us things about God and about God's word that, we, that sounds almost accurate, but there's something wrong with it. He twisted enough to take the truth right out of it and destroy faith from us and take it from us. This is what he did with Adam and Eve. He lied to them, told them uh, things about God that weren't true and things about life that weren't true. This is the lying spirit of our opponent who wants to destroy us, knock us down flat on the mat, and take our faith away from us. He's a dirty fighter. He never fights fair. In the last book of the Bible, we see him described as the deceiver and the accuser of the faithful, those who believe this ancient snake, our opponent, He's a liar, and the truth is not in him. He is our adversary, and we don't need to forget that. 
We don't need to forget that. We don't know, need to go asleep. This is what Paul was saying, that when I fight, I don't fight as someone who's just kind of you know, bouncing around and shadow boxing. I plan, when I fight, I fight to land a punch right on the jaw of the enemy because I want to use God's word and the power of God's spirit strategically so that I might win, that I might win this fight. He is the villain of our soul, and he wants to make us the victim. He wants to destroy our faith. He pushes us around. I don't know if you've ever been pushed down, or maybe pushed down in the mud, or just pushed down. But Boy, that just really makes me mad when I think about the times when I was pushed down in the mud. I remember in junior high, this guy shoving me with both hands in my chest and knocking me flat on my back, right in the mud. And I, I, I came up swinging. I'm sorry. To, well, no, I don't know if I'm sure. I'm sorry to say that or not. But I came up swinging. Uh, because I didn't, you know, we, there's something that doesn't, you don't like. And I'm not advocating fighting, okay? Please, kids, not, not advocating that at all. You take the advice of your parents and your grandparents, those leading you on that. But I'm telling you, uh, there needs to be something rise up inside of us when the devil pushes us down to say, I'm going to get up. I'm not, I'm not going to take this. I'm going to get up again. You're not going to keep me down, oh, enemy of my soul. That's, that's why uh, the writer of that proverb said, the righteous, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he'll get up again. He'll get up again. That's the spirit that God wants to put inside of us. So I want to real quickly this morning speak to three groups of people that I believe may be in this building this morning or listening to this or watching this uh, on, on video or online right now. I want to I speak to those who have fallen into a time of testing. Right now, your life is in a time of testing, and you're wondering what in the world is going on. But James tells us in James chapter 1 that we ought to count it all joy when we fall in times of, of various testings because God is trying to build us up and strengthen us. But it is the lying spirit of our opponent and our enemy that would want us to think that God is trying to destroy us. So I want to declare over you in this building this morning, God is not trying to destroy you. He's trying to discipline you. He's trying to develop you. He's trying to make you better by allowing some things to come into your life. He knows your limits, and he's trying to build you up. Amen. Someone said one time that God wouldn't, uh, bring anything on you that you couldn't bear. And I, I want to take exception to that because I don't think it's true. Now, he said he wouldn't allow us to be tempted above what we could take. But he will bring things on us that we personally, by ourselves, cannot bear, cannot take, cannot live through. But he wants us to then in those times to turn to him for his strength because Paul declared in God's word, it is in our weakness that we are made strong. He's developing you. He, he's not punishing you, oh Christian. He's not punishing you. He's trying to, to develop you and, and make you a better person. He's trying to, to lift you up. and not, He's not trying to pulverize you. He's trying to build you up. Amen. This is what he was doing with Job in the book of Job, right? The devil, the opponent comes to God and says, uh, God, God knew what the devil was thinking, right? Oh, you're thinking about my servant Job, aren't you? 
Have you considered, have you considered my servant Job? And David, uh, the devil says, well, of, of course, yeah, you know, he's, he, his life is so protected, but if you would take that protection away from him, he would curse you. And so God says, uh, you're, you're given permission to step into Job's life. Amen. I, I want to assure you, and I, I can't understand all, uh, all of this and how this all works, but when something comes to you, God knows you can take it. He knows that your faith will stand strong. So take that as a compliment that God is developing you. And though the righteous man falls one time, what does he do? He gets up again. That's what he does. This is what Job said. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I, don't, I can't understand the depths of the, the trust that Job was having there, but he was saying, even if God kills me, I'm not going to lose my trust in him. You see, the devil wants to strip your trust away. That's the basic building block of your faith, and, and your trust in God has to remain strong and true. Hold on to it. That's why Paul said, I have kept the faith. I've kept it. I kept the faith. Although those things were taken from Job, Job's faith remained true, even when his friends were telling him to not believe and his wife was telling him to curse God and die. He held on to his faith. Though that righteous man failed twice, he got back up again. He got back up again. Amen. I want to tell you now, I know that sometimes we, we paint this Christian life like we have to live in perfection. Uh, and that does, that, that's not even possible. But I want to tell you what makes us righteous, at least one of the things that makes us righteous is this desire that burns inside of us to get up off the mat of life and not stay down too long. Get back up again. That's what's going to make you righteous because that's the spirit of Christ in you that's saying, get up. Get up, don't stay down long. Get up, get up. Don't let life beat you down. And though you fall into a time of testing, you can trust God that what God is doing in your life is for your benefit. God is developing you. He's not trying to destroy you. This is what Job said. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He knows, he knows what is going on in my life. He's trying, and when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. So if you've fallen into a time of testing, I've come to encourage you and tell you, get back up. Get back up. Come on, get, get back up. Don't let your faith get low. Get, get back up. Get up. Life's going to be hard sometimes. Life's going to be tough. Life's going to come at you hard. But get back up. Get back up because God is developing you. He's developing your strength. You have to use your muscles to develop them, right? You can't sit on the couch and develop your muscles. Uh, at least I guess you could develop your stomach muscle maybe if, if that could be called a muscle. But you can't. You've got to use your muscles. And this is why God puts us in 
times of stress and times of testing so that our faith can be developed. So don't let the devil convince you that God doesn't care when he allows your life to spin out of control. He cares. He's, care. he's developing you. He's, he's working on you. He's making you better and stronger when you go through things. The second group of people I want to speak to real quickly here this morning is those who have fallen into despair. Those right now sitting in this building, you, your faith is so low right now. Or maybe you're watching. Your faith is so low. You've fallen into a spirit of despair. And I want to speak to you and, and tell you, oh, if you have fallen into a spirit of despair, get up again. Get up again. Come on, get up off of that mat. Don't let despair beat you. Get up. This is what happened in the life of Asaph, right? In Psalm 73, we see this man pondering life. And he said, my foot almost slipped. And when I consider, when I looked at the wicked and how they were being prosperous, the ungodly, they were living this life of ease, the boastful. And I looked at them and I thought, there is no value in living for God. This is what the world is telling us, right? There is no value in living for God. And I come to tell you, oh, come on, hold on, Christian, hold on, person of faith. There is great value in living for God. Though you fall three times, you're going to get back up again. Though the righteous fall four times, they will get back up again. Come on, this is the spirit of the righteous one that dwells in us. Get back up again. Asaph said, I, I, I think I have cleansed my heart in vain. I have kept my life pure. When I look at society, when I look at the way the world's living and the way life is going, the way culture is going, he says, I, I, I wonder if I haven't kept my life for God in vain. Those kinds of thoughts can certainly come across our minds, can't they, when we look at the way this world is. But if you're in despair, get back up. I want to also speak to those who have been praying some prayers for a long time. And you've been wondering, I don't know that God's going to answer this prayer. You're starting to despair and to feel a sense of hopelessness about the things that you've been praying for a while. And so I want to speak to you and tell you, get back up again. Come on, keep on praying, Mama. Come on, keep on praying, Daddy. Come on, keep on praying, Grandma. Get back up again. Keep praying. Keep praying. This is what Jesus was saying in his parable in Luke chapter 18 about the widow who kept coming back to the judge. Her persistence is what paid off. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. I don't know how many times. Just keep on praying. Keep on praying. Come on. Uh, Elisha had to keep praying until he saw the little bit of a sign of a man's hand, a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And he said, oh, that's the answer. And then rain began to come because he kept on praying. Don't let life keep you from praying. Come on, keep on praying. Don't let busyness keep you from praying. Come on, don't let despair keep you from praying. Saint of God, keep on praying. 
This very week, this very week, I have talked to three individuals who have been praying for some things for years, and God is beginning to show them. One, one of them was just a little sign of the man's hand, just showed up on the cloud, on the horizon, and that was enough for that person. God said, oh, and they said, okay, God, I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on believing. Amen. I heard from someone this morning, things, something we've been praying about for a couple of weeks, and it seems like God is working. And so thank God for that. God is moving. I want to tell you, if you've been praying for years and it hasn't happened, oh, come on, saying to God, keep on praying. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Keep on praying. Get back up again. Get back up again. It's the third group of people I want to speak to, I want, I want to speak to those who have fallen into sin. Not, not only is it possible for us to fall into testing, is it possible for us to fall into despair, but it is also possible for us to fall into sin. And I want to tell you, if you have fallen into sin, I want to speak over you, this, this spirit of the get-up-again spirit that says, I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to let my sin keep me from the presence of God. I'm not going to let it keep me from God. I'm going to get back up again. We read it earlier, but it, is, uh, it seems almost like a footnote in the story of Samson. Howbeit, the hair of his head began to grow again. Seems like just a little footnote. But this is a man who had disregarded the things of God, lived his life in selfish pursuit his whole life, took the gift of God for granted, prized it more than the God who gave it, thumbed his nose at righteousness, was tricked by a lady by the name of Delilah, his hair was cut. He lost his strength because that hair was a symbol of his commitment to God. And he lost it. But I want to tell you, long before Samson lost his natural sight, because the Philistines, the Bible says, they took him and they gouged out his eyes. Gouged out his eyes. Long before he lost his natural sight, he had lost his spiritual sight. And there, grinding in the grain mill of the Philistines, doing the work of an oxen, something began to happen in Samson's life. But a sprig of hair popped up off his skull. I know some of you guys that are bald are thinking about that. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to go there, Pastor Nate. <laughs> I just had to go there. <laughs> uh, come on. <laughs> But the hair began to grow on his skull. Amen. And the enemy didn't even notice it. Didn't even take note. I don't know what's starting to grow in your life. The faith is starting to rise back up. And I'm telling you, oh, God wants to work in your life. God wants to bring restoration to you. God wants to help you. Let God work in your life. Amen. Sin delivered what it looked like was the knockout blow for Samson. He was on the mat, and the, the ref was calling one, two, 
three, four, five, six. Though the righteous man fall six times, what do they do? Get back or get up again. They get up again. That's what they do. They get up again. If you've fallen into sin, you feel like uh, sin is overtaking you. I remember years ago listening to a friend. I, uh, they looked me in the eye and they said, I don't know if I will ever be saved. And those words have echoed in my mind for over 20 years. I don't know if I'll ever be saved. And I want to declare over people sitting in this building today and listening to this and watching it. I want to declare over you, Jesus Christ came to save you. He came to save you. And I want to tell you, God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. And he's very good at getting you where you need to be. If you will submit yourself into his hands, he'll get you there. He'll save your soul. He'll save your soul. He will. He'll save your soul. Howbeit his hair began to grow again. The writer of Hebrews, when he's writing about this great hall of faith, gives this great understanding about the faith of Samson. Although it looked weak and pitiful to us, he's included in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. He writes in verse 32, And what more shall I say? For time could fail, would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, and Samson. I'm telling you, one act of faith, one act of faith will eclipse a lifetime of faithlessness. One act and belief in God can cover over all the years of not living for God. I'm telling you, right now, today, can be that day. When you respond to God and say, I'm going to stand up in faith. I'm going to get up again in faith. I'm not going to let sin destroy me. I'm going to be a person of righteousness. Amen. In closing here today, even though a righteous person may fall seven times, what does he do? He gets back up. That's what he does. That's what she does. This is the spirit of righteousness. There's going to be a day, the Bible tells us, that if that spirit dwells in us, it's going to not only cause us to get up in our circumstances, but it is going to lift us up out of our graves, out of this world. That spirit of righteousness is drawing us even now to be better people and to stand Ezekiel 37, you potentially may know this story. It's the story of what the prophet uh, tells us about the nation of Israel. It is a story of the valley of dry bones. The valley of dry bones. The writer of Ezekiel goes on to tell us that those bones were very dry. Very dry. This is the nation of Israel. No hope. Didn't look like they had any hope, right? Scattered across this world, decimated by the Holocaust. And yet, 
they were brought back together and became a nation again. The prophet spoke to those dry bones and said, hear the word of the Lord. And so I want to speak to a dry situation here this morning. You're thinking about it. You're thinking, now there's just no way. There's just no way. And I want to tell you, it doesn't get any more hopeless than Ezekiel's vision for the nation of Israel. If you'll hear the word of the Lord, God will begin to bring some things back together in your life. He'll begin to put bone back to bone and send you and skin on your life and on your situation. And ultimately, he will fill you with his spirit. That's what the Lord said to the prophet. Would you prophesy to the four winds of the earth, the four corners of the earth, and tell that wind to come. Breathe, O breath, into this mighty army. And they stood up, the Bible says, and they lived again. Lived again. I don't know what your situation is. Maybe, maybe right now you have been so tossed and by the testing of God that you're questioning his love and you're questioning his character. God wants to breathe life back into you right now. Maybe, maybe you've gotten so uh, disappointed by society and culture that you're thinking, it's just no sense in living for God. It just, there's no value in it. I've come to here to declare to you, yes, there is. There is great, great value in living for God. The righteous will fall seven times, but they'll get up. They'll get up. I don't know. You know, the number seven there is not definitive. It doesn't mean just seven times. What it means is, is you just get up every time you fall. You just get up every time you fall. You just get up. Just get up Again, every time you fall. Maybe you've fallen into sin, and I'm not here to glorify sin because I, I know that we need to separate ourselves from it, but sometimes it, it takes some strong effort on our part to continue to get back up. And you just being in this building today is a sign that God is calling you to get back up. If you're listening to this and watching this today, it's a sign that God is calling you to get back up again. Get up again. Get up again. God wants to breathe life into you. I think the story of Ezekiel, Ezekiel's vision is, is reminiscent, is it not, of Genesis chapter 1 and 2. What did God do? He, he took this dust of the earth and he created man. And the Bible tells us he breathed into man the breath of life. And not only is it reminiscent, Ezekiel 37, reminiscent of Genesis 1 and 2, but it is, an, it is a, a, a shadow of Acts chapter 2, where God pours His Spirit out upon the church. This is the way God does it. He takes dead, dry things that are lifeless. He takes us who are dead in our trespasses, and He gives us life. He breathes His life into us. This is the way God works, is it not? He takes that which seems to be lifeless, and He breathes into us. And this has been, this is God's promise to us in the last days, I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. I will. And God is still, God is still doing that. Would you stand with me right here this morning? I want to, in just a moment, give you an invitation to come to this altar. And I want to I ask you, if you have been feeling 
like life has been too tough, that maybe God has been a little too rough on you. And sometimes we can feel that way. I've told God a time or two, Lord, I can't take this. I can't take this. But he's, able, he's been able to help me. I've been in despair of things that I have wrestled with and not seen the answer yet. Uh, and I looked at society, and it's called me despair. And there have been times when I've been caught by sin. God is calling us to get up again. Get up again. And here's what I want to do. I just want to invite you. If you feel like you need some type of encouragement this morning, it's been a little rough and you need some strength, I want you to invite you to this altar right now. If you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost for the very first time, or if you, you feel like you need to let the Holy Spirit be resurrected in your life, I want to invite you to the altar right now. This is a time when God is going to breathe upon us again. He's going to, His Spirit is going to be poured out upon us again. Come on, if you need encouragement in your spirit this morning, if you need to know that God cares and be reminded that God cares, come on to the front of this building this morning. If you need to be filled with God's Spirit for the very first time, God can do that while we're standing around these altars. Amen. If you need for God to, to breathe upon you again, it can happen before we leave this building today. It can happen before we leave this building today. Come on. Church, let's begin to pray. Amen. Saints of God, if you, if you feel like you need to pray with somebody, find somebody to pray with right now. Amen. Come on. All across this building. All across this building right now. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God, give me. Give me that kind of spirit, God. It says, I'm going to get up again. I'm going to get up again. I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to stay down. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Let's pray right now. All across this building. All across this building. Oh, God. Oh, God. I've, my foot almost slipped, Lord. My foot almost slipped, God. But I, I found myself in the house of God. I found myself in the house of God. Oh, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.